Welcome to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer, and if you're listening to this on our Patreon, then this is a special edition, uh, kind of an extra bonus chat. Rachel had a chance to sit down with Sarah Sirota. Uh, if you may recall, she and I sat down with her as a duo uh, about a month or so ago, or longer, I don't remember. Uh, but Rachel had a chance to get back on with her and talk about what's going on here in Missouri uh, with all the big stuff, all the big happenings. Uh, Sarah's been sort of diving deeper into the world of Missouri politics, uh, and we like to think of ourselves maybe as a bit of a guide to that. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, an interesting chat uh, for sure. Uh, so stick around for that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, if, you're, if you're on Patreon, this is special because it's coming out early. So if you're not a Patreon person and you're hearing this, you could have heard this days ago, days ago. HeartlandPod.com, sign up for Patreon, and you could have had this so long ago. And you would know all of this stuff already, and you, it would be so cool um, to have had that. Uh, at the Heartland Pod on Twitter, HeartlandPod.com, sign up for Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, we're everywhere. Let's get to the chat. Let's let Rachel and Sarah tell you what's going on. Let's have a chat. I'm going to say good morning because it's morning for me. I don't know what time you're listening, Heartland Pod heads. Um, and I have in front of me the lovely Sarah Sorota from The Intercept. Hey, thanks for having me. She's coming back. You're back again. You must like I us if you come back it. again. I do. And, like and thank you. So the last time we were on, I was, I was saying this before we recorded that like Adam and I were like two kids that were like hopped up on like a bunch of soda after a sleepover. That we were like, Sarah's coming over. Sarah's coming over. Sarah's coming over. And the parents were like, okay, calm down. Calm down. Be nice when she gets here. Don't act like freaks. And so we didn't have a chance. Oh, we didn't We didn't really give you like any time to kind of introduce yourself, to talk about your background. Um, I'm a politics reporter at The Intercept. I'm based in Washington, D.C. I write a lot about national security and foreign policy issues, but also very interested in uh, domestic politics and election coverage. <laughs> Um, and somehow I've made it into the Missouri political coverage scene. And I'm you have. really enjoying learning more <laughs> about Missouri politics. I, I feel like I've had quite the intro the past few months. Um, and so, yeah, th thanks for having me. It's, it's yeah. great uh, to talk with you. Thank you so much. So I'll say, too, that the last time we had you on, you had just written a piece about kind of where the uh, dark money oligarchs were throwing their money on the Republican uh, Senate race, like the, during the Senate primary, and that was very interesting. And um, if I have time today, or if uh, maybe uh, a certain podcast producer who I work with has time today or tomorrow, he will um, dig that up and throw the link to your um, the other interview that we did with you, where we talk a lot about the money that was behind Eric Schmidt, the money that was behind Josh Howley, and the money that was behind Eric Greitens, which was very interesting, and we really appreciated it because it is very difficult to contextualize the conversations about midwestern politics in this way because there's just always so much going on on the national on the national front particularly right now and particularly because now the world is actually legitimately facing down the barrel of a uh, a genuine threat of war in europe massive massive war in europe and i know you've also written a lot about um ukraine as well so yeah great times we live in yeah they're all they always are um so, so let's talk a little bit about why you're here today so yesterday the Intercept, by way of you, posted a story, published a story about uh, the latest dynamics in the ongoing, <laughs> incredibly dynamic Senate race here in Missouri. So you wrote a story about Trudy Bush Valentine, who just filed to run on the Democratic side. Uh, Scott Sifton, as soon as she filed, dropped out and endorsed her. 
And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how that um, captured your attention and then what, and then talk a little bit about the story that you wrote and what kind of inspired you to write it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was pretty shocking. I don't, I don't know if in Missouri you, you expected this or saw it coming, but nope. nobody, nope, nowhere, nowhere, nope, nobody, no, no, nope, nobody, nowhere. Uh, you know, suddenly drop out on Monday and all of a sudden, um, Anheuser Bush beer heiress. Uh, Trudy Bush Valentine decides to throw into the Democratic primary for the open Senate seat uh, on Monday was pretty surprising. Um, You know, I I don't believe that she's ever held public office or run for public office. Correct. All correct. Um, Yes. You know, she she, she's a big philanthropist, I guess. I mean, she's, you know, heiress to this billionaire fortune, um, you know, runs in democratic circles. She held a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton in 2016. But, you know, seeing that was pretty surprising. And, you know, this sort of feels like classic establishment politics. You know, let's find some ultra wealthy candidate to take the mantle. Um, And, you know, that's, you know, fits with what the party dynamics center wants, but not necessarily what people on the ground voters actually you know, somebody who's relatable, somebody who's going to be their champion in Washington, D.C. And so, you know, had to dig into her background a little bit. And lo and behold, I mean, if there is more evidence than any that she's, you know, comes from this very elite, um, you know, out of touch, you know, on a pedestal kind of background is that she, uh, Trudy Bush, Valentine, then Trudy Bush, was uh, crowned queen of the Veiled Prophet Ball in 1977. And of course, the Veiled Prophet Ball is a very well-known fixture, I believe, in in St. Louis um, and blew up in the sort of national publications last year when Ellie Kemper was revealed to have been uh, queen of this ball, which has a very racist and classist history um, and has been the subject of numerous civil rights protests um, and scrutiny over the years. Uh, so that was that was pretty much what our story was about yesterday. And I want to say too, so all of that all of that is correct. So the the veiled prophet is directly in reference to the veiled Ku Klux Klan members that helped start the organization. Um, yeah, former Confederate soldiers, you know, who God forbid there were uh, there was a multiracial uh, you know protest movement strike uh, the the Great Railroad Strike in 1877. Um, and you know the the white ultra wealthy couldn't couldn't stand for this and form this. I think you're honorary. Problem. I think you're honorary St. Louis. I can't say honorary Missouri, but I can say you're honorary STL now for sure. Oh wow! You I, can I, ride. I'm you touched. can ride us. You can totally ride STL with us now forever. So I, I'm going to point everybody to the story in the Intercept. I did see some people. A lot of people in St. Louis shared the story, and I think that everyone felt very uh, gratified and relieved that like someone's paying attention outside of St. Louis circles because we have a just as we have a history of very embedded racism in every aspect of public life in the city of St. Louis and really the whole region, we have a difficult time, let's say, getting a pluralistic view of politics in our city from our local media. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to say that very bluntly. So we appreciate that there is some, you know, uh, accountability really, because like it, it does matter. And if these things come out, it doesn't matter how racist a Republican clearly is like somebody like, let's say Vicki Hartzler, who I still contend is going to win the Republican primary. She can be whatever she wants to be. Her voters aren't going to hold her accountable for that kind of stuff. Democrat, the democratic base here is very, very, very different. I will say that I think that 
if you think that someone in Missouri can win a statewide election without leaning R a little bit, I don't really know if that's true at this point. Um, so I can understand the impulse to reach out to someone like her, especially since she appears to be able to self-fund at least through the primary cycle. Scott Sifton was having a very difficult time raising money. But if this is the kind of thing that comes out during the general, it will definitely turn off the base. So having this come out now is very important if she's going to be a serious contender um, in the race, not just for transparency, but so that kind of the laundry can get done before she's in the general. I think that's really, really, really important. And I'd like to also highlight that you got them to, you got her to make an official statement, which I. Oh yeah. I was very surprised. Um, you know, I this, was shocked. I was like, what? They were oh willing to send over an apology statement, you know, acknowledging it. I thought there would be either I'd, I'd get ignored or, or they're, you know, they would try to play it down in some way, but they straight up apologized. Um, and yeah, so that was that was very interesting as well. Yeah, I think that was kind of for me that was kind of one of the bigger takeaways of the story is that I have this this sort of strange relationship with people that come from wealth like that. In that no one can take utter responsibility for where they were born, right? Like you you are your parents' children from the day that you're alive and you have no control over that. And when we're young, um, our parents kind of control the decisions that we make. So if you're sure. Ellie Kemper or you're a young Trudy and they yeah, tell she's you, 20 years old. yeah, you're going to do this thing and it's just tradition. Oh, it's just tradition. Oh, it's just tradition. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's just tradition. I'm very forgiving in a sense of those young women because I, you know, I held my parents' beliefs until I was, you know, older too like a lot of us do so if you take responsibility for that and you're like mm, that may a culpa i didn't know now i know and i'm gonna do better then i you know i have to at least allow for the possibility that, that may be sincere and i think that there's right. we'll we'll see how that bears out i'm just saying that for anybody who still looks at ellie kemper and goes she's a racist like she probably isn't like let's be real like she probably is not racist <laughs> at all she was starred in a tv show with a gay black man i think she's probably I don't think Tina Fey would be like, oh, are you a white supremacist? Yeah, come on my show. I don't think that's, I don't think that's happening. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And, you know, but something, you know, to be said about that, you know, she, she did continue to go back to the ball. Oh, absolutely. Well, at least 1990. And I mean, yes. you know, she's certainly an adult by 1990. Absolutely. Um, you know, absolutely. and um, at that point, it was very well known, you know, the, uh, the very racist and, and classist uh, history behind this. There had been decades of civil rights protests. So, I, you know, her apology 100% could be genuine. And I agree that I don't think necessarily a 20 year old who, you know, should be held, you know, said all these things about just because, you know, from where they were brought up. Um, but there is something to be said about the fact that, you know, this, she was crowned queen in 1977, which was before Jewish and black people were, even allowed to participate in the governing organization behind this. Um, it was also the height of the civil rights protests against it. Um, two people were arrested outside of the event while she was in there being crowned. And she continued to go back. Um, and I so think that's a really good point that like once you're grown, you have a responsibility for the choices you make and the people that you're surrounded by, right? Like, so right. the idea that when you're 20, okay, but you keep kind of participating in, and that I think also speaks to sort of the region, right? Like 
there are plenty of extremely racist and white supremacist and to be clear white supremacy includes a a, a, a fine tradition of anti-semitism uh here in st louis you know there were pga tours that couldn't come through back in the i, I mean i was an adult um so i want to say like the early 90s uh so we're talking about the same period of time um where clubs denied pga tours because they had black people playing in them and they were like sorry no blacks allowed this is bell reef country club i don't know if they've changed their stance since then it, they probably did because they have we have baseball players that are all like the, the, the people of color and they probably want them to be in there i don't know i'm totally speculating i have no idea but she is definitely a part of a very proud racist white supremacist tradition let's be clear like the anheuser-busch family are no friends of the progressive movement in st louis they held a very big stick for a very long time they were very powerful locally there are people that know more, far more about that than i do but i just know from growing up here that if you had any kind of a small business or even a, a medium or a fairly large company if it was locally based um and you provided any kind of service marketing payroll services anything at all at some point you were going to have to deal with the 500 pound gorilla that was the anheuser-busch corporation um i think that's changed a little bit since inbev bought them a few years ago the board's not no longer locally based um but one of the things that we said yesterday is like i hope that she really just walks around the area just around the the brewery the immediate area around the the brewery has quite become quite gentrified in the last 20 years um and it's lovely i mean it's it, Soulard's beautiful it's a really fun place to hang out it's got a youth culture a lot of young people kind of move there to sort of like sow their oats and have a good time and live in a loft and drink beer and whatever great restaurants great nightlife right off the river it's amazing you go you know a little bit south and a little bit north there and you're in a very different part of st louis so my hope is that she doesn't ignore those places and my hope is that she doesn't just spend time talking to the people that she's known her whole life um there's so much going on in these midterms i mean i feel like everybody's talking about georgia everybody's talking about arizona the fair amount of chatter about ohio because ohio is like also like another one of those kind of whiplash sort of primaries especially on the republican side uh pennsylvania i think is probably getting a lot of ink so what keeps bringing you back to missouri like what is it that keeps bringing you back to our our humble craziness yeah well i mean i i think originally i was always just you know very interested in how oligarch money plays a role in politics um so you know i play around with fec data checking out the database all the time and i saw um Coke money, Americans for Prosperity kind of crowd was uh, playing a role here with uh, the the Republican primary uh, club for growth and and all of those organizations. Um, and then, you know, read more about Eric Rydens and and the race that was going on there. Um, and I mean, I I had to dig into it. Um, and so, you know, I. I I feel like when, when I was on the podcast last, I, we talked about how Missouri kind of can be a, a microcosm for the rest of the country. Um, and, and that really stuck with me and, and really intrigued me. So I've been following the race very closely ever since. Um, you know, there, there's been some talk about whether uh, this, this race could turn out to be like a Todd Aiken 2.0 with if Eric Rydens becomes the front runner, which um, would, would make it potentially more competitive for a Democrat. Um, and so that also lends to me being more interested in who are the Democrats that are running in the primary thus far. And so, 
you know, Scott Sifton, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, was known as sort of like the establishment figure. He was former uh, uh, elected official in the uh, state uh, Senate. And then you have Lucas Kuntz, who has been making a bit of a splash in Washington, D.C. mainstream publications because he uses a lot of this populist rhetoric, like calling for Nancy Pelosi to be, Pelosi to be in prison because of her stock trades. So I, I think that brought me back. And when I saw that Trudy Bush Valentine, who sort of is the epitome of what initially attracted me to Missouri politics, which was, you know, the role of money in politics. And now it's happening on the Democrat side. So I, I wanted to dig in further here. Fascinating. Um, well, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll say too, like we were talking a little bit about before we taped um, and some kind of saying this in, in the assumption that because you're on today that it will bring some non-Missouri folks maybe listening to this. Um, for people that make maybe make this assumption, uh, we were just talking that I, I we, like I, I kind of had a little chat, a little uh, crossfire with, with Ryan Graham of The Intercept this week about um, whether or not uh, Bush Valentine got into the race as a foil for Lucas Coons. And let me just assure you that like, I mean, that might be a footnote in what's going on here, but like in no way does he represent any kind of real threat to kind of establishment Missouri politics. Um, if anything, I don't necessarily think that he's being taken very seriously, uh, which I think that's the bigger problem. I think the bigger problem is that people were worried that because he doesn't spend any time here, um, he, you know, he's maybe here like once or twice a month or something. Um, from what I've been told and just comes in and kind of does photo ops and then leaves. And that's, you know, look, if you don't live here, then you don't run for Senate. That's kind of my thing, right? If you don't live here, don't run for Senate, move back and run for Senate, move back, work here, become a stakeholder, become a part of the community, figure out what you really want to talk about. Um, And I don't think that Kuntz's sort of nationalized wonky message about fuel prices and Russian oil and stuff I don't disagree with some of what he said, honestly. I don't know that I agree with it in in its full cloth, but I understand where he's coming from. I get what's motivating his 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 rhetoric. Do I think that any of that is going to resonate with swing voters during a, an off election year in Missouri? No, it's too it's, for me. I think it's a bit wonky, like wonky, mm-hmm. like a W O N K Y, like too much of like. It's a bit too rhetorical. The average Missouri voter just wants to hear the same things everybody wants to hear. Like, how are you gonna? How are you gonna improve my life? Are you gonna fight for Medicare for all? That argument has kind of disappeared from his sort of more recent language. Um, he's very Ukraine obsessed, and I think most of most Missouri voters, especially swing voters, look at things in a very binary way: war, bad. Biden, good, bad. They're talking about inflation. They're talking about the same things that you would think they'd be talking about. They're not that clever. Um, And I don't think the basis is quite as interested in that discussion as he thinks it is. And in fact, the base is going to be more on the side of we've got to go fight for democracy at any cost. Like we've got to protect democracy. If anything, most swing voters in Missouri probably would be on the side of like a no fly zone, probably. Um, Anyway, so that's my little. What what do you think about. the rhetoric about China. I feel like that is playing a role. Um, you know, I, I've seen Kuntz talk about it. I've seen Republicans in Missouri talk about it. And like Tim Ryan in Ohio just came out with like this whole ad about China. And I feel like it's sort of playing this role in, in the election cycle this season. I'm curious, like if, you know, maybe if not Russia, Ukraine, but would China be something that's of importance to to the base? Or I, I again? think I I don't know. I mean, I'll I'll back it up a little bit and say that swing voters that decide Missouri elections mostly live in the suburbs, right? 
So suburban voters just don't want their income jeopardized and they don't want their status quo jeopardized. So the college educated conservative doesn't care about, I don't think anyway, issues in the same way that I think people sort of think they do. They're sort of, they're very simple, right? Don't take my guns. I want people to believe that I'm this conservative redneck, even though I went to suburban schools. Think of like a lower key Eric Schmidt, right? Like someone who's like not quite as, not quite as a dogmatic prick as he's turned out to be. Eric Schmidt used to be a nice guy that people really liked. So that's mostly what you're talking about when you're talking about sort of the male base. They look like that. They come from the suburbs. They're conservative when he used to be a normal person, conservative. They kind of want to be left alone. They're a little bit more libertarian leaning. And so, yeah, do I think that like conversations about reshoring manufacturing and things like that, do I think that works with some people? Of course it does for the same reasons that it would um, anyone else. But most of the base here is going to fall down the same lines that they always do. Is it a pro-life candidate? Yes or no? If it's a pro-life candidate, I'm voting for them. That's mostly what people still care about here. And then, you know, they're going to follow the trend. Is the country doing well? Yes or no? If the country's doing well, if inflation's low, job numbers are high. Like when you start to kind of peel the onion. Yeah. When you start to peel the onion back and talk about these kind of like big issues that require a little bit more looking past the headline, do they really influence people? I don't think they influence people as much as you and I would hope they would. You know what I mean? Like that takes a lot of subtlety and a lot of time and a lot of energy. And uh, I don't think people really devote a lot of time and energy to that. You know, most people in Missouri don't even know who's running for Senate yet. They might know now because Eric Greitens name was in the headlines again. You know, most voters don't pay attention to the election until they're standing at the ballot and there's two names in front of them and there's a D and an R and they maybe will spend a little bit of time Googling these people or looking it up before they go to the polls. Very few of them follow primary politics like we hope they do. And what's left of the Missouri Democratic establishment, which is, uh, to say the least, it's it's pretty frayed and very regional and very uh, broke, <laughs> very broken. Um, it's not a cohesive unit at all. Uh, and we just had filing day. And what's left of the Missouri Democratic establishment has its hands full just getting Democrats to run in unopposed Republican races, right? Which we can't ever do. So that's what they have to focus on. And it's it's always, a, it looks pretty breathless and sweaty to me, right? Like it just looks exhausting, especially when you consider the amount of hostility and um, vitriol that politics now includes in Missouri state politics. It's very ugly. And I think people just don't want it to be ugly anymore, but they don't know what to do about it. And they certainly don't know why it's happening. So that's kind of a long answer, but you know, I think it's kind of a complicated issue uh, as to why people don't pay attention. I think people liked Trump. Yeah. I think people in Missouri really liked him. I think there's a lot of reasons. You say say that like people care about um, like pro-life issues. And yet my perception of, you know, when Trump came in to the Republican primary, I don't think he was seen as like the most pro-life anti-choice candidate. No. And I think the reason that, that like a lot of people came to his side is because they were like, well, we've got to get the evangelicals on board or this isn't going to work because, you know, I, I think they were wrong to be clear. I think that if Donald, I mean, I hate the man I think that's probably pretty obvious that I'm not going to be a Donald Trump fan. But the only thing I liked about him was that he was secular. 
right? Yeah. Like that was the thing that I did like about like it was. Meanwhile, though, was, he ushered in the like most conservative Supreme Court, and I and well, and I think that that is because like my when I saw his candidacy, I thought, well, this isn't going to work unless oh fuck. So the minute he grabbed Mike Pence, I was like, well. There you have it. And, you know, Mike Pence is former governor of Indiana, and he's got deep ties to the Midwest, and he's really good friends with Roy Blunt. They are very, very, very close pals. I mean, Roy Blunt used to, you know... And there was a time where he was pretty close with Eric Reitens as well. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So, I, you know, I again, like, I think there are plenty of pro-choice conservatives in the state, and I think they're being left behind... And I mm-hmm. think those are people that appreciated the kind of more anti-neoliberal messaging of one Donald Trump. And I think everybody's mm-hmm. kind of trying to figure out how they can take a slice of that pie. The problem is none of them are Trump. Josh Howley's not Trump. Lucas Kuntz yeah. isn't Donald Trump. None of them are Trump. They're all Trump light. And I don't think that they command the same kind of presence that he does ever. I think the reason that Josh Howley won his Senate race is because Donald Trump stood next to him with Sean Hannity in Southeast Missouri and was like, this is my guy. And everybody's like, well, if Trump likes him, I like him. And he beat, you know, nobody thought he was going to beat Claire McCaskill. I was worried, but but most, most established, most people, even in Missouri thought, well, she's such a good politician and she is. You know, she's a political animal. She knew how to stay. She knew how to win two elections in a, in a state that was becoming increasingly red. So, hey, folks, Adam, just a quick break for you here. Remind you, if you are listening on basically any platform, you can leave us a rating and review, especially if you're on iTunes. If you got that iPhone in your hand or wherever you get, if you're driving in the car when you get there, just scroll on down, hit that five stars, leave a quick review. It helps people find us. It helps us turn up in searches and things like that. Reminder, you can go to heartlandpod.com and subscribe for the Patreon and get links to all of our shows over there. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we got shows all over the place. Extra stuff on Patreon for subscribers. And now let's get back to the chat with Sarah Sirota and Rachel Parker. So his, so we're still kind of living in kind of the 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 echoes of, of Donald Trump like every other red state is. You know, I don't. I don't think it's going to work. And the problem is, is that the only thing they're picking up, they being the right, is the anti-women, anti-choice, anti-voting, the election was stolen rhetoric. And I think it's just tuning people out. And so what you have left are people that are just going to show up and vote for the person who's not going to make abortion legal. That's my hot. I mean, you know, that's I could be things are changing here very quickly. So we'll see. But that's 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 where I sit this morning at ten ten a.m. on a Thursday after well, something, a very brutal week. Something you said that interests me, and I think also just interests me about Missouri politics, is that you know you mentioned that there are pro-choice conservatives in the state. Yeah, and, and something yeah that that intrigues me about Missouri politics is that I feel like a lot of voters don't evenly fall into at know, all the, the classic national talking points. I believe Missouri was the first state to repeal a quote unquote right to work law. And so, you know, there, there's a huge union presence and, and respect for, for labor unions um, on the conservative side as well. Now, those people may not ever be able to win national office, um, but that that sort of 
mixed messaging that doesn't necessarily exist on the national level is very present in Missouri and intrigues me a lot. I think it's probably present all over what we call the flyover. Like I think that most there was a Washington Post story that I I don't I don't currently have a Washington Post subscription so I couldn't read it, but I did see a Washington Post story where it was another headline like wouldn't you know it these these Midwesterners don't just fall into one part or the other. I was like, yeah, we don't like no one does like no one's solidly. I don't know anybody who's like, I'm so happy. I'm a Democrat. <laughs> I know people that I know people that are like, I'm a Democrat. Cause like, yeesh, these other people. And there are people that, that are in power in St. Louis politics um, all over the region that may as well be Republicans. You know, they're, they're, they're just Democrats because they can't Republicans can't win County office and so forth um, because of the base here. So this is kind of interesting. This might be kind of fun to chew on for a while. So we're probably going to all get a chance as Missouri to vote in a ballot initiative that will give us ranked choice voting in all statewide elections. Say what you will about ranked choice voting. It's confusing. Everybody's kind of more approval voting, blah, 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 right? Wouldn't you know it? And it's a, the, the, the effort behind it is very bipartisan. There are some, I can't remember all who's involved, but like very strange bedfellows, right? You know, moderate conservatives and moderate democrats we'll say those this kind of like interesting coalition of of groups that are coming together to to um fund this ballot initiative so that it will completely change the way that we elect um that we vote in primaries and the way that we vote in every single senate on down the line right senate being kind of the highest i guess if you want to say that's kind of the highest statewide elected official but governor secretary of state everything and the group that is coming out against it the hardest right now is the Missouri Republican Party. We were talking a little bit before we taped about Scott Fawn and kind of where he sits in this whole Greitens thing. You were asking me about that. Yeah. And Scott Fawn retweeted the Missouri Republican Party's like condemnation of this ballot initiative. And he was like, if you don't have anything to say about the the rapist and and serial abuser, and like whatever else he said about Greitens, but you have something to say about this, then I don't, I don't even know what, like, what are you people doing basically? Like he, I've never seen Scott Fawn condemn the Missouri Republican party ever. I don't, I haven't been following him that long, but I've never seen him do that. So well, they are has some history with Eric Greitens. No one likes Eric Greitens. Eric Greitens likes Eric Greitens. Yet he consistently ranks high in the polls. Not well, not the last couple, not the last, not the last week. Like Vicky's start, the last poll I saw, she was, I think. You're had, so convinced she's going to be the, the Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She so understands what to do. She, and I'm not, I, I listen. Is she, is she known outside of her district? Yes. In the yeah. same way that Eric Schmidt is. I don't think people really know who Eric Schmidt is. Really? I feel like he's been getting so much press attention lately. I, again, like, I don't know that it's the kind of attention that he thinks he wants. I, I really don't, because it's not. When you look consistently at the polls, he didn't really tick up. He and Eric Greitens are a margin of error apart from each other in the last poll that I saw. Mm -hmm. So I want to say 16% were undecided. Vicky would top the poll at like 24-ish percent. And they both came in around 20 or something like that. I, I, I glanced at it this morning because I think somebody shared it with me. Um, or it could have been yesterday. We we, made, we recorded a special podcast yesterday where we called the year in a day a week in Missouri because um, every day felt like a year because it was just all like, like what awful person is doing what thing today? Um, and I also want to shout out to The Intercept about, about uh, the story that you guys wrote about Robert's scrubbing his Wikipedia page. Like that was badass and it did not go unnoticed and we're extremely 
grateful because that is a whole other disgusting problematic problem that we can't get into right now because i'll just start like throwing things around the room um i think that people are more complicated as much as i just said that like people think in sort of a binary way yeah i think everyone's more exhausted and traumatized than they realize and just because donald trump can walk into a, a stadium full of increasingly less people and say ridiculous stuff into a microphone and people applaud him it's because it's authentically him. I don't, I mean, he's horrible and he's a lunatic and he has no business being anywhere near public office. I think that he's so pathological that five minutes before he opened his mouth and said the ridiculous thing, he believes it now. It doesn't matter what it is. He now believes it. And whether or not that it's, you know, Vladimir Putin didn't really like help try to like swing the election for him or whatever ridiculous shit he said, he, you know, he authentically thinks this is the thing, right? And so, for all these people that are trying to like ban, like the book banning thing is going really sideways. I don't, I don't know that the school board races are going to go the way these people do. For me, if I were Eric Schmidt, I would have hung, I would have done exactly what Vicki Hartzler is doing, which is why I think she's going to win. I would have hung back. I would have said nothing. I would have spent no money. I would have left the school districts alone. I would have let uh, Parson be the foil for our Missouri's failed COVID response. I would have prosecuted the holy shit out of the Agape boarding school. And I would have made a big deal about that. I would have, and I would have said like Josh Howley's right. We have to be tough on pedophiles. And I would have hammered them. I would have forced them to close. I would have made that my issue. And then I would have said nothing about the campaign, except that I was, I'd, I'd run to file and I would do the occasional ad about like standing proud for Missouri since I was elected attorney. That really kind of bland run of the mill stuff. And then I would have gone very hard uh, with campaign money to buy ads that said, I closed down a boarding school full of pedophiles because I cannot let children be harmed in the state of Missouri. And I'm the attorney general and I approve this message or whatever. Instead of this reign of terror that doesn't really have the resonance. I don't think it has the resonance that he, that he thinks it does. I don't think this is anything anyone was asking him to do. Like the, suing the Rockwood school district under sunshine law violations or whatever. That's a pretty hard one for me to figure out. We argued about it a little bit on our podcast. My friend, Sean kind of thinks it's more about spite because the superintendent of Rockwood, it's the largest school district in St. Louis County. And I think it's one of the biggest in the state makes more money than he does as attorney general. So he's like, I just think it's like him trying to be like a manly man and a bully. And I think like when I think of that district, I think of like a lot of Trump voters. It's very conservative. It doesn't even lean R. It's just boom. It just falls over R. It's uh, Ann Wagner's district. And so he's terrorizing Republican educators. He doesn't know that he is or doesn't care. I don't I don't know that this it's it's very cynical. And I don't think I could be wrong. But throughout this primary cycle, every time he filed a lawsuit, his his name recognition never went up. Hmm. So I think people are kind of tuning it out because it's so overwhelming. Like, yeah. it really is. It's really designed to be overwhelming. And I don't know that being a terrorist is the best way to run a campaign. I think yeah, that's uh, that's what he was accused of by two counties, right? Of, of running a campaign of litigation terror. That's right. Because he gets, I mean, that's what he's kind of doing. Um, I mean, yeah. I think we need a spate of electoral reform laws that make it impossible for somebody who's holding the office of, for any statewide office, if you're currently holding the office, particularly secretary of state, but if you're currently the governor, the secretary of state, the attorney general, 
maybe um, the lieutenant governor or whatever that role is in because that varies from state to state you are not allowed to run for higher office until your term is over because you just have so much power and influence i don't think that we could ever get that for lawmakers but i think like definitely we need that big time um, because our, our attorney general is using the office exclusively as a as a, as a campaign opportunity um, and there are things that he could be doing to help missourians right now that he's just flatly not doing because he's not experienced enough he's a tax lawyer like he wasn't elected in the first place he's there because there was this like shuffling of the cards when josh howley abandoned the attorney general's office and when eric greitens abandoned the governorship by being a fucking idiot so you know all these people that are in these positions of power are there because the people above them either failed out or failed up to get back to vicky she's doing exactly what i would tell her to do like don't say anything the announcement on filing day that you and I, I think we, I am back and forth a little bit about this on her filing day. She basically was like a rapist has no business in the U S Senate or something. I mean, she just went at him hard and I was like, yeah, she's going to win. Yeah. She's totally going to win. She's totally, she's going to have the money. She's already got like endorsements from yeah. pretty respected establishment senators in Iowa and Kansas. Meanwhile, is... Donald Trump hasn't made an announcement yet. Well, he kind of did. Did you see what he said about Billy Long? I, I saw that, but... I, <laughs> that's as close, I, as, I that's like as, it, as close as we're going to get. As close you as you don't think he's going to announce like an official 100% endorsement? I don't think he gives a shit. I think somebody probably <laughs> said like you have to distance yourself. But this is loves, what, again... He loves remaining relevant, right? That's you, Sure, thing. sure. And so um, I think I think you can tell when he writes those like from the office of Donald Trump things, which always have this, I love that they, they always have the same header. Like when you go to his announcements page, it's just like from the office of like, it's, it's just this repet, this it's like, nobody knows how to code WordPress or something. I don't know what's going on. It's so sad. I'm like, change the header. Okay, whatever. It's like his news page. Um, so I don't know if it's because he has like an API on his phone that they let him use or whatever. And that's like, that's why it looks so repetitive because they can't trust him to like, write a headline properly <laughs> i have no idea but like that's my guess i guess it's like somebody gave him an api and they were like here write type see that box right there write write it in there and hit publish it'll show up in my website yes sir then it will show up and we'll we'll tweet it out for you so i think you can tell when he wants to make the statement because of how it's written and my guess is that after eric greitens was on steve bannon's podcast just just being a like level one hot mess I said this on our podcast last week. I think, I don't know if he was under the influence of rage or something else, but I've seen Eric Greitens speak many times, like for as long as I could kind of stomach it. It's kind of like watching Trump. Like I can take it for maybe like two or three minutes and I have to bow out because he's so horrible. Like if I had to guess, mm, I don't think he was sober. That's my guess. I'm not accusing wow. anybody. I don't think he was definitely like, you can tell when somebody's trying to sound sober. You know what I mean? Like he... Again, like it could just be that he was like, you know, bereft of sleep or something. I don't know. But like he wasn't he wasn't the Eric Greitens that I remember from like when he was like riding high in the saddle, you know, like yeah. he looked pretty shook. And yeah. I don't know from what. So it wasn't long after that, that Donald Trump's like, quote unquote, office released that statement. I'm using quotes, air quotes like crazy about Billy Long that I think that probably somebody in his camp was like, you have to distance yourself from this man as far as you can and because Guilfoyle right. won't. And Billy, Long, and Billy Long was like a very well-known ally of Donald Trump's while he was president. Oh yeah, in, and, he, and, he kissed, and, and he went and he kissed the ring at, at Mar-a-Lago. Right, he went to Mar-a-Lago. He spent yeah. like thousands of dollars there, um, which 
raises a lot of questions to me. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, of course, yeah, and and like Billy, but, like um, I, I have to assume that the reason it's not Vicky Hartzler is because she didn't do that. I feel like there's this interesting dynamic between, you know, that Eric Greiden's, um, who's and, and Billy Long, who've tried to ally themselves with the Donald Trump camp, and then Eric Schmidt and Vicky Hartzler, who I feel like are you know very conservative. Um, and, and Vicky Hearts are probably more so, um, but haven't sure, done yeah. as much of the MAGA Trump that, that from what I've seen. I think, I think Eric Schmidt thinks he's doing that by being this like anti-COVID warrior. I mean, his, right. his right. tweets he's have gotten like yeah. the establishment populist. Yeah. I'm for the people like, you know, kind of, you know, screw the, the rules of the establishment, um, but like not overtly Trump. Not, he not does, he'll, he'll hashtag MAGA most of his tweets at this point from his, oh, from, his, I, from, I his non, from his non-AG Twitter, from his personal Twitter. He, he hashtags MAGA, America first okay, all the time. I take it back. Yeah, I take yeah. it back. Um, no, he's, he's definitely like he thinks he's doing the bidding of Donald Trump with all this like anti-COVID, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck he thinks he's doing. I don't even know. Um, yesterday, he tweeted Eric Schmidt. Attorney General of Missouri, this is an adult. This is a grown ass man. Sent a tweet out that basically said, in response to Fauci, you know, kind of sending out cautionary words about what's happening with the next variant that's coming down the pike and what he hopes that people are getting prepared for and like, don't get too comfortable. We don't really know. It could be fine. It could be not. The things that you kind of would expect any health official to say about a pandemic and a new variant that's showing up in wastewater and in human beings and so forth. And Eric Schmidt quote tweeted a piece in some normal place saying, what's next? Are they going to stuff more ballot boxes or something? Like it was so unhinged even for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of getting back to like this, cause I think he was trying to evade the Twitter bots that would have blocked his tweet. If it had direct language about stop the steal in it. Um, so he basically has figured out how to like get around his latest thing. He calls it all COVID theater. So anything that will protect people potentially from larger or wide, widespread COVID outbreaks, wearing masks, getting vaccines, he calls that all COVID theater. Now that's where he is. That's where his, okay. that's where his messaging is. And there are plenty of people who are senior citizens in the state of Missouri that got vaccinated and wear masks and vote Republican. My parents are those people. I think that a lot of people have just started to tune out politics, which is not mm-hmm. going to be good for turnout in a primary. So that gets me back to why I think Vicky is going to win. Okay. I think a lot of people want a maternal figure, whether they know it or not. I think mm-hmm. they kind of, that sort of is a. That certainly think, works well for Holly too. Yeah, it does. Like, cause he's kind of somebody you want to sort of take care of, right? He's got that kind of young man, leading man well, kind of like. Right. Well, I also wonder from his perspective if it's less of a competitor in his White House ambitions. Oh, abs- amen, sister. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know what you meant. No, no, absolutely. Like he definitely I've, I've said before, I said this like a year ago or whenever yeah. all these whenever these people all started filing or at least showing their, you know, announcing their intent to, to run that when she threw her hat in, I was like, oh, that's who he wants because he wants the side by sides. He right. wants the like, it's me and her. Right, like as opposed to Eric Reitens is like too much of a rival. Oh, and, and definitely, I they hate each other. Um, but uh, and and Schmidt will steal. I don't think that he sees them as complimentary. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think that there's anything about 
the two of them that will ever i think they're like magnets i think they're if they were in the same room they would just like you know like send each other kind of flying across there i don't i don't know how that's working but i don't think it's i don't think it's going well i think josh wants to be the only powerful man in the room i think he wants mm. to be the only alpha male because i think that that would make him look weak if there was somebody else standing next to him who was kind of his quote unquote equal or whatever i don't know i mean he's a narcissist i have no idea what he really thinks but i know that you're absolutely right he may also very much like her they're very similar people they come from very similar backgrounds they're from the same part of the state um she's a phyllis schlafly acolyte on and on and on so these are people that have sort of the same they're made up of the same stuff um they have the same you know eric schmitz from the other side of the state um I don't know how much they even spent time together when because Josh Halley was barely in the AG's office like he was barely ever here so I don't know if they even really spent any time together Schmidt is an entirely different kind of political animal than than Howley is he was in the state legislature so on and so forth so yeah, yeah she's definitely like the auntie figure that he kind of wants to like like truck around with so he can put on his dad right. vests he loves his dad vests now yeah Josh Halley loves those dad vests um big fan and she can wear her like mom suits and he can wear the dad vests and they can like go to churches and talk about jesus and they'll be thrilled they'll be so happy with each other now, yeah now i mean it'll be interesting you know if vicky hartzler is the uh republican candidate and then if if trudy bush valentine somehow you know does manage to become the democratic nominee i mean that that would be an interesting tee up i suppose i mean I've, well I've and, I, and i and i if I had to put money down, um, which we were kind of talking about a little bit earlier too, that I think I think this will be a good place for us to end. That I think that's really what the McCaskills and the Danforths. If Jack, if Jack Dan, I'll say this too. If Jack Danforth, who has said many times that he thinks a centrist, independent candidate could win, um, and he wants one to run, he and Claire appeared together at a town hall in Midstate, in, in near on Mizzou, near Mizzou campus. A couple weeks ago, he's apologizing for Howley, and he thinks that sort of a neutral, independent, Republican-type person could run. Claire's already claimed up and down that she's not going to endorse Trudy Bush Valentine, although she sent out a tweet that was like kind of a winking, kind of like almost like what Trump did with Billy Long a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. wow, how interesting that she's running. Wow, um, yeah, this person who has woo, so much experience in Missouri yeah. Democratic politics. I mean, I'm not endorsing her, far be it for me. I'm just a little old pundit now. That's like literally the exchange that she had with Adam yesterday. It was so funny. But my gut tells me that somebody was like, we need a woman. We need We need a woman who has the same kind of like deep roots in Missouri, that will read well on television, who has a calming demeanor, mm -hmm. who's like well-bred and knows how to do media training. And sympathetic family story. Sympathetic family. Like, I don't know that I agree with the choice. I don't, I'm going to try to have an open adjacent mind <laughs> about all this. But I think that's what really motivated it is that there weren't any compelling, there weren't any women. There is, there is a woman who actually, uh, I don't know if she actually filed or not, but there was a woman who'd thrown her hat in the ring on the Democratic side, but, you know, she was going to have a hard time raising money. She's a very grassroots candidate. And so the rest of it was just like a bunch of, a bunch of dudes. And I think they were like, we need a woman. Right. Um, so I'll say this, I'll say this, then if you have another question, I'll answer it. Then we have to shut up because you have to, you have to go live your life, Sarah Sorota. You have to go like write stories that aren't funded by um, advertising dollars. Okay, if Ms. Valentine, Mrs. Ms. Mrs. gets an endorsement from one Jack Danforth, if he pulls a John Kasich and points to her 
and says, I want Republicans to support her race. I want Republicans to vote for her in the primary, and I want Republicans to vote for her in the general. We might have a horse race, actually, maybe. We could actually have we could actually have a horse in the race if that happens. I don't know that it's going to. Uh, there's a part of me that kind of hopes it does because for once, in these conservative Missouri circles, I want the mea culpa to include you supporting a Democrat. Because if it were if the shoe were on the other foot, if there were a reasonable human being, if there was like a, uh, uh, let's say like a, a Lucas Kuntz or something like that running on the on the right that was a little bit that was like pro-choice or something like this just gave me like this much like let's just say it was a republican that was like i want a uh, minimum wage i want uh environmental legislation i want like one thing if you gave me one thing i'd be like well we got to support him that's it vote for him in the primary do it do what you got to do because like the rest of these people are insane we have no choice that's not the situation that we're in we're, the situation we're in is that we are in territory where every single person on the right in the senate race is an extremist mm -hmm. and no one on the democratic side is popular so if she can create a lane that's called i'm a moderate and if one of these kind of quote-unquote moderate democrats or moderate, excuse me republicans including roy blunt would have the nerve to endorse her i would be mm, politely surprised how's that <laughs> Is that a good place to end? Yeah, I think so. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back on. It's thank always great you. to have you. And thank, thank you for the I great really coverage. We really appreciate it. it. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe. And please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show. <laughs>